What is going on guys? Hope you are doing well. So today's podcast is a little bit different. It's a, yeah, it's a bit different than normal. Myself and James Walsham from the Hypertrophy Hub podcast actually just got together to have a bit of a discussion. So the discussion was actually on another podcast. So this is like a meta podcast. We were actually talking about one of the Revive Stronger podcasts. If you if you haven't listened to that, probably wise to go and listen to that first because you probably won't know what we're talking about. But I suppose the the concept of what we're talking about will still make sense. But if you go and listen to Revive Stronger episode two two four, I believe um, there was a debate between um, Dr. Eric Helms and Brian Miner on one side, let's say, and on the other side was uh, Dr. Mike Isertel and Jared Feather. And basically, there was a paper published, and we talk about this in the podcast. There was a paper published by uh, Mike and Jared and a few others about how to progress in a mesocycle so within a block of training like increasing your your sets increasing your intensity or proximity to failure and basically brian minor and eric uh, sent a letter to the editor basically saying that they felt that that probably wasn't uh, it wasn't necessary or it wasn't wise or perhaps wasn't even best so they had a long discussion and actually went over two podcasts um which probably tallied up to about three or four hours and we basically listened to those podcasts, took some notes, and then gave our reflection on it. Now, we're not experts, and most of those guys that are on, on that podcast there know a lot more about these topics than either of us. But I think in the name of science, all of them will agree that, you know, just because we're not experts doesn't mean that we can't give our opinion or give our views or our interpretations of what's important in terms of training or, or what way one should approach their training for for bodybuilding specifically so i hope you enjoy this and if you do enjoy it please do uh, leave a rating or review give us some feedback on it because we would like to continue this in the future myself and james and um, this kind of debate where we're just two people you know, kind of co-hosts chatting back and forth uh, but without further ado let's get into this discussion podcast and i will chat to you soon james good to chat to you man my pleasure my pleasure pleasure to be here so this is a kind of a new style that of, of podcast that we spoke about over, over, uh, over the internet to each other. And uh, what what we're going to do today is, I guess, talk about a conversation that was on another podcast between, and it's kind of a a, a debate that's been going on a, a while between a uh, few people on the internet. Uh, so like Eric Helms and Brian Miner, who are on kind of one side of the fence, and then say uh, renaissance periodization or jared Feder and mike isertel and they, they, they've done a, a recent podcast um and uh i'll let you kind of <laughs> i'll let you kind of may perhaps give your idea or your thoughts on what what actually their the original conversation was or where that stemmed from mm, so i mean i should probably um outline my bias first so i'm actually studying under eric helms at the moment so that's something that really important to note um, so it's like, it's pretty obvious that I'm probably biased in his direction, although I would consider myself good friends with Mike as well. So I don't think that I'm completely biased, um, or at least I hope not. And I try to keep an open mind. Um, and I think both so, both um, of their opinions have a lot of weight and utility and um, are largely correct in a lot of ways. Um, but I guess what generally happened is Mike and Jared and... Tiago and um, one of the other authors, I cannot quite remember. Um, so people released a paper back in, I think it was 2019, like late 2019. Carl, Carl um, you know, I think, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, people sort of, I, when I first saw it, I took a little bit of issue with it. I thought the paper was a little bit, um, it was overstating things or pushing boundaries, I think, um, or saying things that were further than the evidence in some ways. Um, and I guess that's why there was a response paper by Eric, by, it was actually led by Brian Miner, um, Eric Helms, and also my good friend Jacob Skeppers. Um, so they wrote a response paper, which is basically a letter to the editor, addressing, I, addre- addressing, I guess, sort of a critique. Um, they wanted to critique the paper, critique the ideas in the paper, because um, they had multiple things that they didn't necessarily agree with. Um, and I, the fundamental thing that they were, were, were disagreeing on, I mean, there was many issues w- within this that sort of created um, little issues within themselves around basically a disagreement on how to program to maximize hypertrophy. Um, and for the most part, I found the primary disagreement, as most people will be aware, is set progression. So Mike was arguing for more set progression. So basically what that means is progressing sets over the meso cycle at a faster rate. So adding sets every week in your training cycle, and then you deload, and then you'll add sets. You'll start at a lower number of sets, and then you build your sets up over the meso cycle again. Um, and then Eric was sort of arguing that we shouldn't take non-set progression off the table, or he was sort of arguing that Mike was going a little too far in that sense. Um, so that was sort of the primary, the primary issue that I think um, came up. However, there was also, as you said, the follow-up discussions on Revive Stronger's podcast, which were pretty fantastic. Um, I think they, like, it's really hard to get people to disagree in public and have it be, like, fair and reasonable and not a shouting match. I mean, it's not something we can get too emotional over, but we do get quite invested in it because it's sort of like, for people who care about growing muscle, this is like the laws of physics. We're like, oh, this is how gravity works. And then someone else, someone else is like, hey, that's not actually how gravity works. You're completely wrong. So it's yeah. like, but muscle nerds, it's like, it's like debating gravity. Um, and not, as ne- not nearly as significant, but it's like debating one of those kinds of things. It's like, do, do humans react like this or do they react, react like this? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... I, I've, yeah, the, the the paper itself, I think, is basically just a reflection of what Renaissance periodization, their train of thought in terms of what's best for hypertrophy, and and we're specifically speaking speaking of hypertrophy here, not like strength training, um, just to make that clear. Um, and when I mean strength training, like training for strength, because I know some people kind of think the same thing. Um, but yeah, so there's a few kind of premises that they they have. And I think that's the first of all, it's probably is it kind of an issue when you have like, this is our method for training. Um, it's, and you kind of close off other things that kind of initially, uh, I feel personally that based on the current evidence that we have, that's not really the best way to approach things like this. This is our method. It's, it's almost like a Charles Pollock thing. And I know they're not like Charles Pollock, but um, it's like, Oh, that's the ORP method or whatever for It's like, mm. you know, the, the, the German volume training thing, but it's yeah. Set progression, I think um, per week, but based off of certain indicators, such as your soreness, your level of pump, um, your fatigue as well. I think uh, your progress, your actual progression on the lifts, whether it's, uh, I think it's uh, actual reps lifted. Um, and then 
They also they don't they're not a fan of dropping sets or sorry like a traditional linear periodization where you'll uh, weight up reps down kind of approach. It's in suboptimal, um, and I think that's pretty much sums up their philosophy in terms of their actual progression method for training. And the paper kind of outlined that. Um, and I know that Mike had mentioned that it's not like this paper specifically wasn't open access well it's not open access but it's not something that everybody's going to consume and i don't expect people to be reading papers most people to be honest yeah um normal people not like us but yeah um, i think like i think very few people should try and read papers and also it's like even people who've been trained in science it's like then within that there's like a very small scope in which we can understand yeah. it to the, the detail yeah. that we need to i think yeah, in fairness, it wasn't a very scientific paper in terms of like yeah, yeah. Like it, was, it was more, it was more like an art, you know, an, an article. But I think mm. even if people weren't, didn't read that paper, you could pretty much get everything from all of the, the content that they publish anyway. It's it's the same mm. same premise. Um, so yeah, and then I think Eric and Brian were just maybe defending more traditional methods of of training, or rather saying yeah. well you know, let's not take everything else off the table, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, if you were to characterize sort of, um, I guess, the opposite stance, it would sort of be along the lines of, like, okay, so one of the things we're not going to progress is we can progress sets. And I think they, one of the things that I think is really important to outline is the fact that they all they all agree that an intro week or set progression in the first week to the second week is a pretty good idea pretty much across the board. Like they seem to largely agree with that. And not all the time. It's just Eric and Brian seem to be more saying set progression should be used when it's called for rather than like a thing that's going to occur no matter what. Like it really depends on what you're trying to do, what you're working with. Do you have the bandwidth for that? Um, Like one of my personal gripes um, with the sort of way that RP programs training, um, maybe I should first outline. I think their method is actually pretty, pretty damn good. Um, I've done their method. I did a very, very similar method um, with Steve Hall. Um, we did a very similar method of sort of progressing, progressing sets and all that when I was training with Steve. Um, and like that worked really, really well. But I think personally, I think if someone has a very low ability to recover or relatively low or they cannot stand much volume and or the, the, the bandwidth of their MRV or whatever, their volume landmarks, the distance between the lowest volume landmark and the highest, it's like, if that's not very far, then your ability to add sets really isn't that, isn't that much because it's like, okay, you add some sets, but then you trade off because that's adding a lot of fatigue because the person's bandwidth is quite um, sort of narrow, I guess. Um, and I don't think everybody has quite as wide of a bandwidth. Um, and I guess in general, Eric and Brian were sort of saying, RIR can stay pretty steady. Mike and um, Jared were sort of more along the lines of saying RIR can progress downwards, so inc- intensity can increase over the mesocycle, um, which is one, I think, major point of difference. Um, and then there's obviously the set progression as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. I think probably, probably best to define, just to make it clear again, is like your MEV would be like your minimum effective volume and essentially RP. I think this might be an exact quote from the paper, but it's volume seems to be determined in in hypertrophy and um, it seems to be a determinant in in hypertrophy and an essential variable in the mesocycle. So basically increasing from your minimum effective volume or 
X amount of sets at the minimum. And then you have to kind of, or it's optimal in the, in the eyes of RP um, mm-hmm. to increase that up until the absolute max across your eight, six week or whatever it is, mesocycle. And then you kind of cycle that. And I think, yes, uh, they, they do agree both on the, the intro. Uh, I think maybe just Eric or Brian and their kind of like a philosophy would just call it an intro week. And I, I do agree that's probably a good idea. And um, I've seen uh, Mike Zordos talk about that as well in terms of just uh, just seeing how somebody reacts to a certain amount of volume. And it's mm. definitely something that I do with, with the clients that I work with as well, especially if they're like newer lifts or, um, you know, h- higher intensities, I'll either have a lower volume and the lower or a your in the first week just to see like, okay, how did you feel that week, you know? Um, and then adjust, adjust that from there. But I don't think that Brian and Eric do that because that's all that's needed for hypertrophy they do it more as a kind of a gauge if that makes sense like an intro week like mm. just to kind of get you accumulate or acclimated to that volume and then yeah, increasing yeah. rather than saying oh we, we're only keeping it because this is what we need and then next week we're increasing it because we need to increase the volume so the the idea i guess behind increasing volume or the number of sets is that like uh you know you adapt essentially to that stimulus each week and you need to increase the volume in order to, in order to keep up with that ad- adaptations. Um, and I, I guess the whole conversation they're having is not like it. We're not talking cellular mechanisms here at hypertrophy. They're they're really talking about fitness, fatigue, uh, preparedness. So we can really apply this to really any kind of exercise endeavor. And I always really like to talk about running. And I don't know why because I don't really mm-hmm. run. But it's really easy to kind of understand. If I like went run, if I went running and I didn't run and I ran like five kilometers for you know took me an hour or whatever. If I ran again um, the next let's say three days later and I ran, but I didn't run in you know fifty five minutes, but I still ran in an hour or even even slightly slower. It's still adding to my fitness if that makes sense. It's not mm-hmm. like it's suboptimal, um, or like I, it doesn't mean that you know, I have to push myself faster the next, the next week to be optimal, if that makes sense. Like maybe, I, maybe I would, if I, if I'm recovered enough and I, if I adapted and I made the adaptations, which I can't force to get fit enough that I need to, to keep that intensity, I need to go faster then Yes, I would. But sometimes that just doesn't happen. And I think there's obviously a point where we do, where we do kind of lose the stimulus, I guess, to a certain amount of volume, because over time volume is, uh, you know, volume is equated with more hypertrophy, but just not on a week on a on a week to week basis. So even Eric and Brian uh, mm-hmm. agree that over time we need to uh, accrue more volume. We need to when, when you've stalled or whatever, uh, you're you know you're recovering, uh, you're feeling fine, you're sleeping well, you're eating well, etc. But you're just not getting any stronger or not adding reps here or there. Maybe you think about adding in a few sets. So there's obviously a point where yes, we do stagnate, and more volume is the answer. But with RP's idea, it's that it's every week. Would you mm. say I'm, you know, would you say I'm incorrect yeah. there? Or no, I'd say that's generally correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's a few like with with volume as like a topic. I think people have sort of like got volume quite wrong. I think over the last like I guess maybe year and a half would be the time frame. Like because it's like I think people maybe have misinterpreted this as um, and this is quite a common critique of the evidence based fitness community. Um, it's like people begin to sort of interpret volume as like a proxy for stimulus. Um, and it's like, they see them as equated. Um, yeah. And then it's like, there's many issues with that. And it's like, okay, how do you measure volume? There's multiple, multiple ways. And that's, 
that's fine. Let's say we're going to measure it in sets. Um, and it's like, if we could just see volume as a proxy for stimulus, it's like, and it's like, okay, stimulus leads to adaptation. It's like, if we could see volume as a proxy for stimulus, then it's like, okay, why don't we just add sets forever? And that's obviously not viable because adding sets comes with fatigue, blah, blah, blah. Um, so obviously it's a, it's like a spectrum. It's like, we need to add volume at a certain rate. Um, but then who's not to say that it just needs to be volume load that's increasing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know if, well, I don't necessarily think that we become adapted to a certain amount of volume as nearly as fast as people think, um, or nearly as fast as people seem to, um, say maybe. Um, and I think it, I think it does depend. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, um, I'm trying to piece my words together. I, like I've had many conversations with Eric and all a few of them, like a few of his PhD students about this as well. It's sort of like with volume, it's like, why would I, like our body doesn't know how much volume it's doing. Our body knows mechanical tension. That's it. And it's like, what now makes three sets not able to make you grow. It's like, are you just so adapted to that? That's just not going to work, but it's like, but you're adding weight. Um, I just, I think there's a place, there's definitely a place for adding volume. Um, but it's like, I think the way volume trends up over time is much more likely to be in terms of volume load. Basically what that means is like sets times reps times weight rather than like this sort of idea of we event like, uh, and let's say a beginner lifter has to do 20 sets and then, or 20 sets total all muscle groups or whatever. And then the intermediate has 40 and then 60 and 80. It's like, at what point do we just plateau and we cannot do anymore? It's like, I guess we, yeah, we, we get better at doing that, but it's like, is that building work capacity or is that building hypertrophy? Um, and I think we often maybe can not, I don't know if we confuse the two, but um, I think volume leads people down a path um, and they don't, it's like, you don't need that much volume um, as people think. It's like, if, if it's within like a range of like what's normal, generally like 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. Like I would say you're probably good. Like if you're going a lot past that in all muscle groups, I think it's unlikely you're going to be able to recover. And it's like, that's a problem. Like the basis of adaptation or the basis of building muscle is recovery. So it's like, if you cannot recover, you're not going to build new muscle. So it's kind of like, yeah, but I don't think Eric and um, and, I mean, I don't think Mike and Jared um, are applying this incorrectly. I just think their method is really quite complex. There's probably some areas where I do completely disagree. Um, but I, I, I am honestly not sure yet because it's like, we literally don't know. Um, I just think for, it's like, I, I don't see how that would generate more hypertrophy. I then I guess Eric's or Brian's method. I can't see, any physiological reason or any sort of practical reason why that would generate more hypertrophy apart from just doing more volume. And it's like, then yeah. why would we have to add that volume? Um, I yeah. Guess in some ways. Yeah. I think like with the volume thing, and obviously it's, I'm not sure if you spoke to anybody before I, I spoke to a couple of people who have, um, and I've noticed it with like clients who would follow like the volume landmarks or just the recommendations of, of just general volume, whether it's like 10 to 20 sets and they would be doing the higher end, and they would think that, you know, if we're not increasing volume more, 
then it means they're going backwards. But mm. I guess there's a point where you can maximize your hypertrophy. You can max- maximize that stimulus within, you know, a 24 hour period of, of muscle group. And then, you know, doing more volume than that, you literally can't go any further with the stimulus, but you can add up fatigue, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you know, you can build up all your waste products or whatever, um, metabolites and that's just then eating into your ability to train effectively, uh, as quick as possible. And of course, that's what we want to do. We want to be trying to hit that muscle group when it's fully recovered again, pretty much as, as soon as we possibly can within the next couple of days. Um, so I think, yeah, the idea that just volume increasing volume equals, um, you know, increasing in, in stimulus or increasing hypertrophy stimulus is mm. is a kind of a difficult way to think about it. And I guess like a couple of years ago, I couldn't wrap my head around that concept first when we talk about like volume load, like I think maybe if, uh, about five years ago, volume load, like or overall volume load, like weight rep by reps by sets was like the king or basically, you know, you got to increase mm. that over time. And mm. then when you, when I would see like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was like, how, well, how come like Jeff Alberts, who's like 50 or maybe he was like 45 at the time. How come he's not lifting like, like way more than everyone else? It just doesn't make sense. Like if he's increasing over time and you know, people take, take periods of like lower volume. And it, it, if you just follow that hypertrophy or volume equals stimulus, that wouldn't make sense. Like lower volume mm. equals less stimulus. Like, are you degressing here or regressing or whatever the word is? Um, mm. So yeah, I think that's, it's it's something that you got to be really careful of and you made a good point that it's quite complex there uh the, the renaissance periodization method um first mm-hmm. of all first of all and i know we kind of talked about there i was kind of conf- not confused but i really had to pay attention on this podcast the very mm-hmm. the i know it was like a two-part podcast in the first part of the podcast i was just like it's almost just like back and forth bickering um mm-hmm. not to be kind of uh, make make it sound like i know they're all friends etc no, they, I know what you mean. Yeah, they, they kiss yeah. makeup afterwards, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I I do too follow the Renaissance uh, progression method, or whatever. I yeah. after I did my show last year or my my three shows, or whatever in November, I just like a full year of dieting, and I was just kind of lost a lot of motivation, and, um, along with a lot of other things as you do in prep, and uh, just wanted to kind of change something up just for novelty. I mean, like even advanced, more advanced lifters, novelty is still important. Um, and, you know, I've been following RP for a while. I think I met Mike last summer um, at, a, at a seminar here. And uh, I said, you know what, I'll get one of the templates and try it out for whatever it was, like four months or something like that. Um, and I, like, I do consider myself quite advanced in understanding, you know, mm-hmm. topics better than most people. Um, and I couldn't like figure out the proxies of like the soreness and stuff like how was your last workout or how was this workout well, like you rate it basically and you rank it like two one zero whatever or minus one like all based off your soreness and your kind of pump and stuff and some exercise i don't really get a pump um and i wouldn't say like i've any glaringly obviously weak body parts i think i'm a decent bodybuilder um mm. natural bodybuilder um and um just to point that out there uh because i'm kind of small but yeah but i kind of obviously cocked it up somehow because i remember by like week five or six i was just like oh man i am like just pumping away the weights here and like i'm getting like i'm just not enjoying this like mentally Mm. it was just a lot of volume i was i wasn't even sore i just felt like like oh crappy you know what i mean i don't don't know how to explain Mm. but the sessions weren't good i I think i get what you mean yeah and i know mike would say like oh well that should be like that means you should have reduced your volume, but like 
it's yeah it's not that easy to kind of it's easy to say in hindsight you know what i mean but like in the time especially if you're like yeah of course if you're working one-to-one with uh jared right it's going to be different but mm. not everyone works with one-to-one with them and this is a yeah. an education to the masses and really most people are going to be training by themselves mm. and so yeah. i think i really I, felt I, like the volume got way up there and i do also ex- experience that with people who do kind of follow their philosophy or method is that like it's not mm. like they, they do tend to just do a lot more volume it's like you're almost inclined to like as humans want to progress or add more and like it's kind of like it's kind of like action bias right or something that's like a fallacy where it's like we feel better when we do something rather than just not do something so people are like yeah yeah you know i'll add an alice set here and then next thing you know you're doing like six sets uh for each exercise and you're doing like five exercises and you're like 30 sets in one session for chest yeah well i think i think that's why their method i think needs caution before people go and apply it to themselves like I add sets regularly with clients. Um, I add them late in the meso. I'll add them in the middle of the meso. I'll add them in the end. But it's like it's not every week, and it's not all the time, and it's and it's in specific circumstances. Um, and like I like I like one of the examples Mike gave, where it's like he was talking about how let's compare a, a both meso cycles have an average of fifteen sets. They're both six weeks long. Um, you know, they both do. They both one progresses from ten to twenty. One stays at fifteen the whole time, um, or in reality, it would be like one goes from 14 to 15 to 16 or whatever per muscle group. Um, and I guess that was the comparison of the two methods. Um, and it's like, I think you need to be so accurate picking your volumes with that method of training because it's like the amount that tra- the, the amount of volume that you're going to be doing at the end of the meso cycle is huge compared, like if you added that amount of volume, like it's, it's probably a little bit more than what you were doing um, in the past, like say if you had a more static sort of music cycle, right? Um, it's probably a little bit more than what you were doing in the past at the end of it. Um, at the end of your last static music cycle, it's probably a little bit more, but it shouldn't be a shit ton more. Um, but I guess one of the major issues that Eric had was it's like, okay, we're increasing the whole volume load by 20% each week or whatever percentage. It's like, are we adapting at that rate? I would say likely not. Um, then why are we changing the stimulus? If we, if we do say volume is the stimulus, why are we changing the stimulus? Um, and I also think one of the other points I wanted to make, it's like hypertrophy is this thing where it's, I, I kind of view it a little bit as a checkbox. Um, and I don't think there's ways in which we can like boost the signal. Um, it's like people will try and train harder to produce more hypertrophy. And it's like, yeah, to a point that probably works. If you're training at five reps in reserve versus three or two, whatever, even one, but I guess there's trade-offs to that as well. Um, but it's like people are viewing it as this thing where you can boost the signal, but I don't think it is that way. Um, it's like, if you're doing adequate volume or you're doing enough, um, then I don't think there's much more you can do because once we get to a certain, like one of the things Brian told me of one, on one of my podcasts, um, which I found really, really, this was like a big piece of the puzzle for me. It's like, if we cause too much damage, muscle protein synthesis will be super elevated, right? But so will muscle protein damage. And the muscle protein synthesis is only elevated to fix the extra damage. So it's like, in reality, why would we, like, it's, we need to do enough, but no more than not enough because more than enough will make you grow less in theory. So it's like, and it's like, okay, we are never going to know what exactly the right amount is. But I, I think it's just 
more people than not are going to mess up their own. Like if you're trying to do this method by yourself, you better damn know like how much volume you can handle, how much you can do at the end of the meeting cycle, the start, whatever, what you cannot handle, what you can, what's really easy, what's not hard. It's like, you need to have really, really good grasp on that or else it's like, you're going to just flood yourself with volume or you won't do enough. And it's like, I don't see why a static approach wouldn't fix a lot of those problems. Yeah. I think, I think probably more people will do more. Most people probably do more rather than less, but that is obviously a challenge. If you have a, if you have like a perfect volume that, that for each individual and the problem is we don't really know what that perfect volume is. So you're Mm. kind of better off falling within the recommendations, but if you have a perfect volume, because this is kind of what they're trying to do, it's like you, you grade across this, this landmark so that we find the volume. But the idea is that we notice uh, maximum adaptive volume, this like perfect demand for you, and we gradually increase because we know it increases, which is very kind of hypothetical. But but anyway, you could spend half the mesocycle doing uh, – you know, too little or or less than what's enough and then half it doing more than what's enough rather than being in like a range that's probably enough. So it's it may not even be optimal in terms of, you know, in terms of actually what the volume is for you. And, and I agree on your point about like, yeah, we're making adaptations. And I know Mike said that like, if, you, if you're not making strength increases week to week, then you're not, you know, perhaps we need to kind of make an adjustment Whereas I think more, if we just had like really, really tiny plates in the gym that are like, you know, 0.1 kilograms, that would be useful. Like, I mean, like last week or three weeks ago, for example, on the incline bench, I, I just did 120 or 110 kilos for six. The next week I did, I only got five and a half, or like I, I failed on the last rep. And then this week got six again. But like, I'm not thinking, okay, I need to add another set because I didn't, uh, you know, I, yeah, I didn't, yeah. the rep, or else I need to deload because... Um, I would likely I, expect you, your strength to go further down. Like I would, ex, I would expect. Like, let's say, let's say, for example, if that was, if it's not progressing because of your programming, let's say it's probably not. But like, let's say that was the case, right? And then we add more volume. It's like, why would we expect you to recover better from that? You know, like, yeah. To me, that I know for yeah, seem, I know sense. for sure, or, or progress more. Uh, you know, yeah, the idea yeah. not just to recover better, but to, to, to mean that that's going to equal more progression. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think it's I, just. I that guess I'm, you're not doing like two sets or how many? Yeah, a couple. Of three, uh, th- th- I was doing three sets, but I think yeah. the uh, it's just because I'm a more advanced lifter, um, and mm. it takes time for me to to build, you know, muscle. And it, it, and mm. how long have you been lifting? Quite a while, I assume. Yeah, maybe twelve, thirteen years. So wow. yeah, well, I mean, so, yeah. 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 So like, I mean, so I can't like be like, oh, it's a shit workout, you know, like I didn't progress and mm. I need to either add weight or deload. It's like, why don't I just relax and just give it a break and give it a few more weeks. Mm. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm still not progressing in, in a, a month's time, maybe I need to kind mm. of adjust something. But I'm fairly sure that mm. even with really advanced lifters, I think the double progression is fine. Like I, I don't even follow the, the triple progression method where you're like adding extra mm. sets because I, I, that's kind of like an RP style where you're adding mm. sets, but only when you hit the right. I don't think that's mm. even necessary. I think double progression is perfectly fine. I think that people, mm. it works. I don't see why a double progression scheme doesn't work for advanced lifters. It's it's not mm. like I'm more advanced, so I need an advanced progression. It's just I need a slower progression. So mm. I think if you add like micro weights or else just give it more time because yes, even though like 
I didn't hit an, an extra rep this week. That that six reps is ever so slightly easier, perhaps. Like not not one or mm. or easier or or on the RP scale slightly easier, but like if you could break yeah. the RPE scale between eight and nine to like eight point one, eight point two, eight point three, yeah. probably slightly easier. But like mm. then maybe next week or the week after, I will then be like, oh, I could probably you know maybe not get another rep on this, but I probably could add an extra one plate on each side of, of one kilogram plates and that's like mm. the progression and that's that's pretty much the progression scheme that i've been following um and i'm making good progress like when i competed in 2013 and then 2016 mm. um i didn't really get or sorry 2016 to 2019 uh, between that those those two seasons i didn't really get way way stronger on any really any lifts uh but i looked way better you know like way mm. way better uh, See, that's the plate. thing like i think if if you're in a good environment and it's like you're you're gaining weight at a reasonable rate, whatever, um, it's like and you're lifting consistently, I think hypertrophy is probably occurring. Like if you're lifting within the parameters of what we know works, it's like I think like that's the thing, right? I think like all of this stuff is so like arguing about things that are in the black hole of stuff we can never see. And it's yeah. like but I think then like in this case, I think I think their method is great, like RP and all that. I think it's a reasonable method, and I think it's got a lot of legitimacy, but I think people's interpretation of it can lead them astray. And it's like, we can't just export this method to hundreds of thousands of people or whatever. It's like, well, I guess that's the view I come at it from, because it's like, I come at this from the view of wanting to like solve lifestyle diseases. So it's like, if, if you, like, it's it's just... And even on the advanced athlete level, it's like there's no necessary indication that it's superior. Yeah. So it's it's like what, what are your thoughts on evidence? But I guess what are your thoughts yeah. on their idea of like the uh, the increasing reps in reserve or or like I don't know whether you call it the incre- increasing or de- decreasing, but anyway, oh, I closer. I guess decreasing, but increasing. Yeah, decreasing to proxy. Yeah, the, the proximity to intensity, the proximity yeah. to intensity. Um, you know, Eric talked about brian thinks like you know stagnated rpe is fine whereas mm. um perhaps mike and jared don't feel that that's optimal and again we're talking about optimal here as well i need to kind of keep that in the uh, in the back of our minds that mm. you know if we're, if we're looking at this from a from a other point of view it they they were talking about optimal so it's not just mm. hypertrophy it's it's optimal hypertrophy so what are your thoughts yeah. i think that w- with increasing mm. your reps and re- or you're decreasing your or or each week it what are your kind of thoughts on that in terms of its intensity mm. or sorry its effectiveness or is that actually necessary to maximize hypertrophy mm. well i think so i've got a lot of thoughts on that um so like generally right like in the research we see we have a, like the whole the reason why we have these numbers is like this is what we know is going to cause hypertrophy um and there could be the argument that it's not in trained populations, blah, blah, blah. Like, but it's like, okay, even I didn't believe that like, okay, research actually trains people with high intensities. I've recently been observing some research, literally like using RIR to auto-regulate training. And it's like when the, when, when the sheet says two reps in reserve or whatever, or we say if we're doing a one rep, one rep max test and we use RIR to like, basically auto-regulate it's like that is two rir like it is spot on like these guys if you see them hit failure they're hitting failure like the research 
I guess maybe I can only speak for like AUT, but it's like, it's not, it's not like it's uh, inaccurate, I think. Um, and then I think there's, I personally don't think that, like I definitely think there's a rationale for some progression of RIR, but I think it's the same as progressing sets. It's like, why would we arbitrarily add it? Like if there's no reason to do it, like, okay, we like there's to me, it's like, is there much of a difference between the actual stimulus for hypertrophy between two reps in reserve and one and zero? And it's like, there's probably a little difference because you're getting a little bit more mechanical tension, but you're getting a lot more fatigue. So it's like, is the trade-off worth it? And then to me also, there's this massive, the, the main issue that I see with this is like, okay, you're adding sets and you're progressing RIR. So it's like, you, you're getting higher intensity and you're getting high volumes by the end of the yeah. cycle. So that's going to lead to a shorter meter cycle, whatever, in general, unless you want to start really, really low and have slower progressions. But it's, at the rate, it's, I think they usually agree that their meter cycles are quite short compared to Brian and Eric's meter cycles or like the, yeah. the general idea. Um, I, I do think the, like... I know the, the the train of thought by by Mike and Jared and, and the guys at that camp are that by the end of the the measure cycle that you are going to be pretty like you know fucked up. It's not just you're deloading because you're you know yeah. you're perhaps think it's a good idea to progress your train the next cycle, but like you're literally you're you're fucked up. Like, yeah, I take issue with that in some ways because it's yeah. like I think it's like you shouldn't be that fucked up, like. I think you're going to get fucked up. Like it's, you need a deload. Deloads are important because you've got fatigue, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, like why, why load or why load? If we can equate, let's like, why are we loading so much fatigue in the last two, three weeks? It's like, if we see like the, the way we understand hypertrophy now, it's like, it's a chemical signaling process that occurs due to mechanical like tension. And there's like, it's like, from what I've seen so far, the only down regulation of that, we haven't seen, like I haven't seen any down regulation that's actually like there that we know that exists apart from like long-term aging. Like, and it's like, okay, then why are we, why are we assuming this? Um, I completely lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah. So, well, I think we were talking about fatigue building up at the end of the, the mesocycle. Oh. But, yeah, like I, I think why why would we load it all there when we when we don't have a thing that says that we have a decrease in acute stimulus, like actual chemical signaling to create hypertrophy? It's like yeah, we I don't have very, any research that says yeah, that. it it's based more. I think it's on, on a hypothesis that you know doing more is well. We're gonna rest anyway next week, so like we may as well kind of squeeze out the last. It's kind of like, you know, you're at a bar and a nightclub and you're like, well, I'm going home now, so I may as well do four shots because I'm not going to have any more drinks. But I might get more yeah. fucked up, but, you know. I but might- then my, my, <coughs> my thing is just like, as I said before, it's like with, the, with, with how muscle protein damage increases and that is, and muscle protein synthesis will increase, but it's only increasing to match muscle protein breakdown. It's like, what if that's just occurring? And I think a lot of the time that could be what's occurring. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm not saying like in those specific people, but I'm like in in a lot of people who try and do this, it's like in that situation where you try and make that decision, should I go really, really hard my last week? It's like, why? What makes it different from the, from the week before it? All you're trying to do is generate a stimulus. 
why does the extra fatigue that mm. comes with that, like, why is that useful? Like, you're just increasing your risk of injury. I, I, I don't see. Yeah, I, I do. I do think there's a something to be said for effective reps, though, um, because w- when we look at research for uh, drop sets, or sorry, not drop sets, uh, rest pause sets, pretty much the same thing, right? Um, mm. Kind of um, that we see. I, I can't remember if it was drop sets or rest pause sets that we see. We saw similar hypertrophy uh, between a, a drop set or you know a, a a drop set, but like three drop sets or whatever, but like one kind of joint set and mm. three straight sets. So obviously there's something to be said for the the last few reps and kind of squeezing out the, you know, there definitely I think there's some more, you'll get more effectiveness for each rep that's closer to failure, but obviously increasing fatigue and that may not be warranted. Um, but I, like you said, with the, with the people doing the, uh, the the studies in, in AUT that are like, you know, it's a two or IOR. I've personally noticed that like I get my clients to video exercises and I might give them like one rep in reserve or something like that. And this is, mm. you know, it's not really common in like arms or like, or, or delt side lateral races, but when, especially with like legs, like it's like looking at videos and like, mm. that's not a one or IOR. You could have got like five more reps. Oh yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh, so in, that's in the research. These guys have had like training yeah. protocols and we're like, how many more could you do? And like, we, we really drill it into them. Like it's a, yeah. So like that's they, why they, they go through a whole process of understanding yeah. it. Um, and I guess people I think, don't have anyone holding them accountable. Yeah. I, guess. I think that is a challenge and perhaps why sometimes giving people, um, uh, giving people kind of ORIORs that are closer to failure, they hmm. still won't oh, actually I, hit failure, but they will get, yeah into that range of a, a true two IOR where these studies are based off. So like if we have a, a research yeah. study showing that like two IOR is just as effective as, as zero or, or whatever, or almost as effective. Like mm. most people that were like trained to failure on a leg press are not even doing that two IOR. They might do like mm. a three or four. And mm. it's like, yeah, of course there's not somebody standing in your face and like the whole analogy of like, what if someone's going to have a gun and shoot it, like put it, put it to your head. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to happen. So yeah. I, I would I mean, note though, um, in advanced lifters in general, even I believe, I don't know if this was prompted or not prompted, but Eric, Eric quoted this exact study. So I'm literally just requoting Eric. But <clears throat> in general, I think it's with intermediate lifters. RIR accuracy is really, really high. Um, or it's really quite good. Like in general with intermediate lifters, if they've had some familiarity with the concept. And I think, for the most part, people that are following something that is that structured in general, like you, you have to have had, you need to understand what RIR is. Um, you need to understand what RPE means. It's, um, it's like, these are, these are concepts that sound like out of left field or whatever. They sound difficult, but it's like, they're crucial. They are really, really crucial. Um, and I think it was Colby's master's thesis that sort of yeah. displayed this. No, um, I, I did I did hear him mention that, but then he did say later, like he did say that like, there's a very small variance in terms of the, how accurate people are, but he also mm. when when they did a six RPE or a nine. But I also he did mention though later on, which is almost conflicting, but maybe he just didn't word it in a way that I kind of interpreted. But that he said that you know in the lab, kind of going back to what I said a few minutes ago, in the lab the RIR is different than when someone's in the gym by themselves, like in a commercial yeah, gym, listening to music versus someone like screaming at you and you've got you know colleagues and stuff. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, 
So, I mean, generally it's um, like, it's not like we're saying, go, go, go. You have to get one more. Like in those studies where they're trying to test RIR accuracy, I don't think there would be the confounding factor of um, people saying, hey, you can get one more. You can get one more. I think it's more like they would say, oh, so I, th- I think the actual study design was basically they would do a set of whatever amount of reps and then they would call out, okay, now I'm at a three. I have three reps left. And then they would do three more and then they would say, what, like, was that three? Um, and that was, I think, how they tested it, which to me seems like a pretty reasonable um, testing protocol. But I guess then also you, there's the like issue of are they being more mindful then? Like, are they actually thinking, how many reps do I actually have left? Um, and I think, as you've said, people are yeah, I've, not I've, that willing to... I've definitely seen that in... Uh, or heard that on, on another podcast quite a while ago, could be oh, a mm. few years ago, some other researcher, could be Bill Campbell or or could be somebody else that was talking about like like they did a, a study where it was like men and women, uh, the same study, uh, you know, some repetitions to failure. Like if there's guys there and even if nobody's shouting at you, if there's like a bunch of girls <laughs> watching you, like you're going to try and outperform. You're, it's just a normal thing. Like, or even if it's just other guys, you know, you do want to kind of put on a show or give your best effort, I think. But again, again, you probably could get that environment in the gym, right? There's people who do train in these groups of like people that they do try to do that. But I think for most people, yeah. they don't. And I just personally, anecdotally think that from, and even myself, I've noticed that like, mm. yeah, I, you know, I'm a bit tired today. So like, uh, you know, yeah. it's not really a true three IR or two IR. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that, and, and that could be a good mechanism where I'm like mm. mentally, because what you can achieve physically is also determined by what you can achieve, what you feel you mentally can achieve as well. I don't, it's hard to kind of separate the, the two because sometimes someone could say you could do more, one more, but in mm. your head, if you don't believe you could do it, like, can you actually yeah. do it if you don't believe like it's, it's quite yeah. esoterical there, but I mean, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I definitely think there's, <clears throat> I definitely think, um, in general, people have a lot of issues going to failure. Um, yeah, but I, I just think, like, if you're using... Like, that's that's another issue of, like, progressing RIR. Like, when you're at a three, how do you know you're at a three? And it's like, you're not going to failure yeah. until week eight or week six. It, yeah. But it's like, yeah. in Brian and Eric's case, it's like, you could have some sets go to... Fa- like, you could do RIR changes on a set-by-set by, set set basis in the micro cycle rather than in the meso cycle. Um, and that's what I was talking about with the people from data driven strength as well. It's like, <coughs> yeah. Um, it's COVID gotcha. Oh, hopefully not. You're like, I was talking about it with them and it's like, what's the, okay. If, what, I don't get why we would, we would accum, accumulate all this fatigue at the end, but we can't just take, we couldn't have one set go to failure or one set go to one area or yeah. one set go to two um, instead of the all at three, all at two, all at one or all at two, 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 two. Like, I think it's okay to change like reps and reserve for spit, like individual exercises. And I think people don't do that. Um, like for instance, if you haven't done straight leg deadlifts in six months and you, you introduce them into your program in the first week, everything else is at two RIR. Are you going to do those at two? I probably wouldn't like pretty bad idea. I would say long muscle lengths, a lot of damage, like not the best idea I would say. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think w- w- when there's so many variables changing, like actually just, uh, you kind of noted it there in my, in my mind that like I probably I do keep a fairly stagnant or, or, or 
Um, because e- even for me, I think it's hard to gauge, like, what's the difference between a four and a, a three or a three and a two? It's like, it's actually pretty difficult to kind of gauge, like, oh, could I have got one more or two more or one more with a bit more weight? Or um, And I, I did find that when I was doing the, the RP kind of style of training, that like week to week, I was just like, I'm pretty sure my my RIR is the same every week um, because I don't really, like, it's hard to kind of sometimes know exactly, like, you know, you know, this week I'm a three. So, but I also have to increase the weight, um, because that the or I have to increase the weight because that's what it calls for, um, and I also increase my set. So it's like so many moving variables. It's like, tr- it's like trying to do maths in your head, and and also by p- taking also feel of exercises. And I'm sure you've experienced this yourself when you're training. You're like, okay, I'm gonna shoot for a three or a or, and then you're like, oh shit, that was a two. Like, oh, I didn't think that would be so hard or whatever. And then you just adjust the weights, or you just say, you know, I'm gonna hit twos. Like the same way that I was doing talking about the incline bench press or whatever, like the RIR isn't the same every week, but I know that at least once I'm within probably four reps of short of failure, it's a similar stimulus. So I'm not worried about like, oh, the RIR needs to be increased next week or decreased next week. Just the, the only time I like actively say I'm going, going definitely going to decrease it is if I'm deloading. Other than that, I don't think it's a huge issue once i'm kind of within that range and i try and just add a rep here or there if i can and you know what if i add a rep next week to that 120 kilos it will definitely be a higher or or because i haven't got that much stronger in a week where i can just add yeah. a full rep so like that's the thing with advanced lifters because i can't add these micro plates i can't stay at an, a two reps in reserve and then mm-hmm. add it add, add a rep because i just i just can't possibly do that so do i only you know do i only add a rep when I can feel I can get in a, a two reps in reserve or do mm. I just actually push to an eye next week and then you know the mm. week after that I stick with the same weight and it's probably goes back down to an eight or whatever um so yeah I, th- I think it's just it's quite complex and there's so many moving parts um yeah 100 percent. yeah so I know we're nearly pr- pretty much on time but like what was the uh I, I from my opinion I don't think there was any real conclusive uh thoughts or takeaways from the actual uh then the, 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 it was actually two podcasts but i think you know probably getting some mma gloves on and getting in a ring and just punching the head off each other would be a good answer i think that would be a very quick fight yeah i think well yeah. that's true well no uh, i think it would be like brian and eric against one of uh, jared and mike because they're not natural so it wouldn't be fair yeah yeah i guess so, we could have like a, i don't know maybe they could have a champion they could pick someone and they could be like hey Thor, Thor the strong man. You can be my champion. Um, yeah. He's actually I, I fighting I, soon, isn't he? Yeah, he's what, isn't he but, boxing Eddie yeah, Hall or something? What the f- the, the, the thing is, yeah. It's, on, it's, They're going to break uh, each other's skulls. That's crazy. The thing is kind of, like, it's it's not as cool as I thought it would be because he's actually downsizing. To, to oh, do, do, yeah, he's lost it. Like, I don't know if you follow that YouTube, Nick's Strength and Power, or Nick's Power and Strength. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he lost, like, uh, 50 kilos or something like that. Because wow. 50 kilos? Yeah, he looks Jeez, like yes, yeah, quite skinny. I mean, he's like. If six I foot lost fifty kilos, I would be dead. I would genuinely <laughs> die. Yeah, he's like six foot nine though, um, or something like yeah, that. True. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, what we were saying. The the conclusion. Um, I think. Yeah, with the, I think the main takeaways to me, like the things that we know, it's like okay, we all agree intro weeks are a good idea. Voila! I think across the industry that seems to be the case. Um, no matter how bro science you go, how matter not bro bro science you go, I think in general. As long as they're not bro science, they don't think deal are a good idea. 
like that those people we can just push out of the conversation i don't think i don't think they're correct at all whatever um but the people who agree d, d loads are good i think in general intro weeks are good and then eric and mike generally intro weeks are good so i think we could probably agree intro weeks are a good idea um and i would say also another key takeaway would be you need to know how much volume you, you can actually do um and how much like i think it's a good idea to stay at a static point and try different things out it's like what can you add? Because, like, for me, for instance, like, with my... I have issues with chronic pain and stuff. It's like, with that, I know there's certain variables that I can't push. So it's like... But there's other variables that I can push. Um, and I think people need to learn how to do that for themselves. Um, and then how much volume can you push? Could you do heaps more volume? Could you do double the volume if it was half the intensity? So it's like, okay, is that worth the trade-off? Or whatever, whatever the numbers are. You know, like, I think people need to just experiment, actually track all their training, measure everything, learn about RPE, learn about RIR, make sure you track it, make sure you do it properly. If you're not sure, ask someone who you think knows. Um, and then I would say go from there. Um, I would also say one of my conclusions was the fact that I don't think RIR is as flimsy as people make it out to be, um, or RPE, I guess. Because um, I think... Yeah, I just think of this proper like, if people fully understand it and they've they've they've, they've gone through and been like, okay, that's and it's gonna deviate on exercises like on a, on a leg press. Try get to a ten RP on a leg press. That shit is fucking hard. Like that is really really hard. Um, but do it on a bench press. Like ten RP on a bench press. I do that every day. Whatever. Um, yeah, like I think those were probably the things that really really stood out to me, and also the fact that like it's cool that we can have these nuanced conversations, but also it's really, really important to realize that this is like super nuanced. If you're like in the first like three to five years of training, Oh, maybe like two to four, like you probably don't even need to think about this stuff. I would just follow whatever experiment, have fun, like lift weights, get stronger, increase volume load, whatever. Like, I don't think you need to be playing around. Like I just think playing around with heaps and heaps of variables and trying to, make your programming special isn't going to do shit. Like people who think they're the best programmers in the world. It's like, I was for a while, I've been going down this sort of rabbit hole of like, what's the best program? How do we know the best thing is what the best thing is for hypertrophy? But it's like, we just get to a certain point where everyone's just standing at this cliff and we don't know what's past the cliff and hypertrophy is on the other side. And it's like, we cannot get there. Like it, it's just literally impossible to get there unless science, unless exercise science all of a sudden just gets heaps of people want to participate. So yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. yeah I think like not not to get too caught up in like the the minutiae I think even a more advanced person just focusing on progression like and and being consistent and not not kind of using this as a as a way to kind of mentally masturbate like and, yeah, and use yeah. it as a something that's going to like like the worst thing you can do is keep program hopping and uh, whatever like if oh, you can just do yeah. something and just be consistent with it i don't have any issues really with like increasing rios uh each week i don't think it's necessary uh per se because you know once we're in that range we, we probably get the similar enough stimulus and probably get more fatigue uh, or do get more fatigue as you increase the rior but i mm. think the bigger challenge would be increasing your sets because that will have i think that definitely does have a lot more impact than you know go from a three or to a two or a one yeah yeah but yeah like if you're going from like three sets to like you know six sets on an exercise and you're doing that across multiple exercises that can really hamper it and and 
the the challenge here as well is that you will still make progress and so it's hard to say it's not like black or white where it's like i did the rpe method and i didn't make progress it's like you probably will still make progress but you we can't just we don't have a double blind randomized control study of the same person doing the same two different uh programs so i think Mm -hmm. yeah just like and then we didn't really touch on it but like the decreasing kind of the decreasing weight uh, you know you know the the argument or defense of why that's not good it wasn't very wasn't very well thought out i don't think or um you know wasn't really great to be honest from rp oh sorry rp not rpe um and uh if you just maybe they made up the rpe scale i don't know uh i know they didn't but <laughs> um if you uh if you just like are consistent with whatever you're doing and as long as it's not some like like dumbass program if it's yeah. within the say six reps to 30 reps and you're doing 10 to 20 and you're enjoying the training and you're staying injury free mm-hmm. and you're progressing you know other reps or yeah. weight on the bar over time like not being like oh, i didn't progress this week so yeah. um like and i think eric talked about this in some other podcasts about like you're an advanced lifter kind of when you can be okay with not progressing like every week yeah. Because that means you like love training, and I don't progress every week. And it's not like, oh shit, I need to do something now. It's just like mm. I'm going in there enjoying it, and yeah, I do track my numbers, but I'm not gonna be saying my train my program is suboptimal because like it could be suboptimal. I mean, I could be going in and just doing like cleaning jerks and expecting to get bigger biceps or something. But I think yeah, as long as you're just being consistent with it, and that's the most important thing. And adding you know adding body weight as well. I think I've I've really something that I like really found that's really important. I know that's like, you don't necessarily need to be in a surplus to gain high muscle, but I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think the people who do make the best gains are in a, in a, in a surplus. And do at the very least, weight. I think they get to the highest body weights. Of course. I mean, <laughs> well, if you're eating the most well, food, yeah. you're going to, yeah, they spend the most time um, under a surplus at the very least. I don't think it has to be fast, but like, yeah, if no, you're no. not gaining weight at all, like, I think you're probably cutting yourself short. Like, yeah. I think it seems. Yeah. So, so even like with, with the, some clients that I work that are more advanced, even I just say, you know, if we're seeing rep progressions, like rep progressions in a, a higher, higher rep range, like not like, mm. like strength training. Um, mm. And we're adding, you know, one to 2% of your body weight per month or, or mm. uh, at least it's close enough to 1%. That's all we need to do. And just milk that for as long as we possibly can. And we can't really be more mm. optimal. Like, adding more sets here or there, like mm. maybe it might uh, add to additional, we don't know. Like the answer is we don't actually really know if this is the, the right or wrong way to do it. We're just, it's just mm. guessing, but I think there's more risk with the RP, RP method with adding uh, weight. If that makes sense. There's more yeah, like, I think potential there's definitely downsides. more risk of um, misinterpretation and then misapplication. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I also m- think that the method in itself might come with more risk. But I think it's dependent on the on the individual. Like someone built like Jared, it's like Jared is built like a bodybuilder. He's built to bodybuild. Like that well, man, he, yeah. I mean, when he's twenty four, he's a pro natural bodybuilder. So yeah, like, yeah. And he looks ridiculous. Like he looked fucking ridiculous. So it's like, you know, like mm, he's probably pretty good at weightlifting. Um, someone yeah, like I myself, mean, actually, I have pretty actually, frail joints. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. I actually had a client who's an IFB pro, uh, men's physique. And he wouldn't naturally. And uh, he, I remember I trained with him uh, a couple of times. He lives in a different country, but like he was doing a shit ton of volume and everything was to mm. failure. I, I wasn't doing his programming. 
uh, and I, he was like recovering fine. And I was like, how the, like, how do you do this shit? Like, yeah. I mean, I and that's know. the thing. That yeah. shit makes no sense to me. That's something like, well, trying to remove like anecdote from this. And I, I know that Mike and Jared aren't basing off of what they personally do. And it's hard yeah. not to, to have that bias, but of, of course, like genetics and uh, genetics and anabolics are obviously going to make a huge difference as well. Um, but mm. like, I don't think that was part of their paper. It's like, well, Jared grew. So now this is what. No, I'm yeah, no, about. I think, yeah. cause I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it would change anything at like the, <clears throat> like, is it the physiological level? Like, hypertrophy is still occurring the exact same way. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's like being pushed along by a truck, but like, you know, it's, it's like, it's still the same things um, occurring, I guess. And I don't think the like input, maybe, maybe like the quantity of the input would, could be bigger um, in that case, but it's like, I don't think the, yeah, I guess the quantity could be bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You can recover basically increased muscle protein synthesis, but also you Mm. can, recover faster um when you use like anabolics but mm. but yeah so uh what's your discount code for the rp plates rp templates <laughs> yeah i don't have one you, if only, if only. I'm, I'm joking um yeah it was good to chat about it man um i guess i don't know if they're gonna like when i was listening to that podcast um i don't think they came to a conclusion that would really lend people's you know some plan of action where they're like okay listen to this podcast now i think i can well, apply this i don't think they were in a position to though i don't think that was the goal either yeah. um, because I, it's like with, with science you can never come to a conclusion so it's like and it, well yeah, like, i think i, I mean it, that's probably like i wouldn't necessarily well, agree with that you can like make well, kind of not, best not that you can right? never come to a conclusion but it's like I, one thing i wanted to point out is like uh, they have their method right and it's like you can only get to a method and a situ- when there's no like we don't know everything. You can only get to a method by guessing. Like you have to make a jump yeah, from yeah. evidence to anecdote to jumping more. It's like you have to do that at some point. And they both made their jumps, um, or they have all made their jumps. And it's like no I don't. Back. It's there's no way to like say who's right or wrong. Like I think they both have equal um, ability to, to defend their points. Um, and it's like there's, there's uh, it's it's up to the person to determine what they want to do, rather than saying. One is, oh, this is what you should do. Like, we know, that, like, we have a range of what we should do, right? But we don't have, like, the smaller we make that range, I think the worse. It's like, if we know that it's this big, this, we don't need to arbitrarily make it smaller. Um, yeah, that, that's a very good point. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, hypertrophy is so forgiving, like, in yeah, terms of, exactly. we're not, we're not, trend, trend, we're not powerlifters. So we, you can pretty much do whatever <laughs> you enjoy and can progress on. And I mean, there's just nuances. Some people do better on higher or lower reps. Like we see that within mm. the research, like individuals. Um, but I think, yeah, there's no point in saying like it has to be this one exact rule because we have mm. loads of rules that would actually will lead to the same result. Uh, but I know, I know you got to jump, man. Um, it's good to chat. Any final words? My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, it was a pleasure to be here. I loved the conversation. I think it was quite fun. Yeah. Great to chat to you, man. And uh, we'll definitely do more in the future.